O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kalidvanduditaditya, Shri Krishna Varivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Barshaksharayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Shri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of Prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madeka Bando Matsangin Madguro Man Mahadana Manistada Bhagya Mad Ananda Namostute My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu Saduta Dayin Atini Chochatakara Hanamunchigadachin Mam Premnarit Kantayospuda O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Reading from the tenth canto, Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Srila Prabhupada's masterpiece summary of the tenth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam beginning with chapter 17, Extinguishing the Forest Fire. King Prikshit, after hearing the chastisement of Kaliya, inquired from Shukadeva Goswami as to why Kaliya left his beautiful land and why Garuda was so antagonistic to him. Shukadeva Goswami informed the king that the island known as Nagalaya was inhabited by serpents and that Kaliya was one of the chief ser uh, serpents there. Being accustomed to eating snakes, Garuda used to come to this island and kill many serpents at will. Some of them he actually ate, but some were unnecessarily killed. The reptile society became so disturbed that their leader, Vasuki, appealed to Lord Brahma for protection. Lord Brahma made an arrangement by which Garuda would not create a disturbance. On each half-moon day, the reptile community would offer a serpent to Garuda. The serpent was to be kept underneath a tree as a sacrificial offering to Garuda. Garuda was satisfied with this offering and therefore he did not disturb any other serpents. But gradually, Kaliya took advantage of this situation. He was unnecessarily puffed up by the volume of his accumulated poison as well as by his material power. And he thought, why should Garuda be offered this sacrifice? He then ceased offering any sacrifice. Instead, he himself ate the offering intended for Garuda. 
When Garuda, the great devotee carrier of Vishnu, understood that Kali was eating the offered sacrifices, he became very angry and rushed to the island to kill the offensive serpent. Kaliya tried to fight Garuda and faced him with his many hoods and poisonous, sharp teeth. Kaliya attempted to bite him, and Garuda, the son of Tarksha, in great anger and with great force, befitting the carrier of Lord Vishnu, struck the body of Kaliya with his effulgent golden wings. Kaliya, who was known as Kadrusuta, son of Kadru, immediately fled to the lake known as Kaliya Radha, which lay within the Jamuna River, and which Guruda could not approach. Kaliya took shelter within the water of the Jamuna for the following reason. Just as Guruda went to the island of the Kaliya snake, he also used to go to the Jamuna to catch fish to eat. There was, however, a great yogi known as Saubari Muni, who used to meditate within the water there and, and was sympathetic with the fish. He asked Garuda <clears throat> not to come there and disturb the fish. Although Garuda was not under anyone's order, <clears throat> being the carrier of Lord Vishnu, he did not disobey the order of the great yogi. Instead, instead of staying and eating many fish, he carried off one big fish who was their leader. Oops. Sobaramuni was sorry that one of the leaders of the fish was taken away by Garuda and thinking of their protection, he cursed Garuda with the following words. Henceforward, from this day, if Garuda comes here to catch fish, then I say this with all my strength, he will be immediately killed. This curse was known only to Kaliya. Kaliya was therefore confident that Garuda would not be able to come there, and so he thought it wise to take shelter of the lake within the Yamuna. But Kaliya's taking shelter of Sobari Muni was not successful. He was driven away from the Yamuna by Krishna, the master of Garuda. It may be noted that Garuda is directly related to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and is so powerful that he is never subject to anyone's order or curse. Actually, the cursing of Garuda, who is stated in Srimad Bhagavatam to be of the stature of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Bhagavan, was an offense on the part of Sobari Muni. Although Garuda did not try to retaliate, the Muni was not saved from his offensive act against a great Vaishnava personality. Due to this offense, Sobari fell down from his yogic position and afterwards became a householder, a sense enjoyer in the material world. The fall down of Sobari Muni, who was supposed to be absorbed in spiritual bliss by meditation, is an instruction to the offenders of Vaishnavas. When Krishna finally came out of Kaliya's lake, he was seen by all his friends and relatives on the bank of the Yamuna. He appeared before them nicely decorated, smeared all over with chandan pulp, bedecked with valuable jewels and stones, and almost completely covered with gold. The inhabitants of Vrindavan including the cowherd boys and men, the gopis, Madhya Maharaj Nanda, and all the cows and calves, saw Krishna coming from the Yamuna, and it was as though they had recovered their very life. When a person regains his life, naturally he becomes absorbed in pleasure and joyfulness. They each in turn pressed Krishna to their chests, and thus they felt a great relief. Madhya Shoda, Rohini, Maharaj Nanda and the cowherd men become, became so happy that they embraced Krishna. They thought that they had achieved their ultimate goal of life. Balaram also embraced Krishna, but he was laughing. 
because when everyone else had been so overwhelmed with anxiety, he had known what would happen to Krishna. All the trees on the bank of the Yamuna, along with all the cows, bulls and calves, were full of pleasure because of Krishna's appearance there. The Brahmana inhabitants of Vrindavan immediately came with their wives to congratulate Krishna and his family members. And because Brahmanas are considered to be the spiritual masters of society, they offered their blessings to Krishna and his family on account of Krishna's release. They also asked Maharaj Nanda to give them some charity on that occasion. Being so pleased by Krishna's return, Maharaj Nanda gave many cows and much gold in charity to the Brahmanas. While Nanda Maharaj was thus engaged, Mother Yashoda simply embraced Krishna and made him sit on her lap while she shed tears continuously. Since it was almost night and all the inhabitants of Vrindavan, including the cows and calves, were very tired, they decided to take their rest on the riverbank. In the middle of the night, while they were taking rest, there was suddenly a great forest fire and it quickly appeared that the fire would soon devour all the inhabitants of Vrindavan. As soon as they felt the warmth of the fire, they immediately took shelter of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, although he was playing just like their child. They began to say, Our dear Krishna, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, our, our dear Balaram, reservoir of all strength, please try to save us from this all-devouring and devastating fire. We have no shelter other than you. This devastating fire will swallow us all. Thus they prayed to Krishna, saying that they could not take any shelter other than his lotus feet. Lord Krishna being compassionate upon his own townspeople, immediately swallowed up the whole forest fiber and saved them. This was not possible for Krishna. This was not impossible for Krishna because he is unlimited. He has unlimited power to do anything he desires. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 17th chapter of Krishna extinguishing the forest fire. Chapter 18, Killing the Demon Pralambasura. After extinguishing the devastating fire, Krishna surrounded by his relatives, friends, cows, calves, and bulls, and glorified by his friends singing, again entered Vrindavana, which is always full of cows. While Krishna and Balaram were enjoying life in Vrindavan, in the midst of the cowherd boys and girls, the season gradually changed to summer. The summer season in India is not very much welcomed because of the excessive heat. But in Vrindavan, everyone was pleased because summer there appeared just like spring. This was possible only because Lord Krishna and Balaram where the controllers even of Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva were residing there. In Vrindavana, there are many falls, which are always pouring water, and the sound is so sweet that it covers the sound of the crickets. And because water flows all over, the forest always looks very green and beautiful. The inhabitants of Vrindavan were never disturbed by the scorching heat of the sun for the high summer temperatures. The lakes of Vrindavan are surrounded by green grasses and various kinds of lotus flowers bloom there, such as the Kalara, Kanja, and Upala. And the air blowing in Vrindavan carries the aromatic pollen of those lotus flowers. When the particles of water from the waves of the Jamuna, the lakes and the waterfalls touch the bodies of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they automatically felt the cooling effect. Therefore, they were practically undisturbed by the summer season. Vrindavan is such a nice place. 
flowers are always blooming, and there are even various kinds of decorated deer. Birds are chirping, peacocks are crowing and dancing, and the bees are humming. The cuckoos there sing nicely in five kinds of tunes. Krishna, the reservoir of pleasure, blowing his flute, accompanied by his elder brother Balaram, and the other coward boys and the cows, entered the beautiful forest of Vrindavan to enjoy the atmosphere. They walked into the midst of newly grown leaves of trees whose flowers resembled peacock feathers. They were garlanded by those flowers and decorated with saffron chalk. Sometimes they were dancing and singing and sometimes wrestling with one another. While Krishna danced, <coughs> some of the coward boys sang and others played on flutes. Some bugled on buffalo horns or clapped their hands, praising Krishna, dear brother, you are dancing very nicely. Actually, all these boys were demigods descended from the higher planets to assist Krishna in his pastimes. The demigods garbed in the dress of the coward boys were encouraging Krishna in his dancing, just as one artist encourages another with praise. Up to that time, neither Balaram nor Krishna had undergone the hair-cutting ceremony. Therefore, their hair was clustered like crow's feathers. They were always playing hide-and-seek with their boyfriends or jumping or fighting with them. Sometimes, while his friends were chanting and dancing, Krishna would praise them, My dear friends, you are dancing and singing very nicely. The boys played at catching ball with fruits such as bale and amalaka. They played blind man's bluff, challenging and touching one another. Sometimes they imitated the forest deer and various kinds of birds. They joked with one another by imitating croaking frogs, and they enjoyed swinging <coughs> underneath the trees. Sometimes they would play amongst themselves like a king and his subjects. In this way, Balaram and Krishna, along with all their friends, played all kinds of sports and enjoyed the soothing atmosphere of Vrindavana, full of rivers, lakes, rivulets, fine trees, and excellent gardens filled with fruits and flowers. Once while the boys were engaged in their transcendental pastimes, a great demon of the name Pralambasura entered their company, desiring to kidnap both Balaram and Krishna. Although Krishna was playing the part of a cowherd boy, as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he could understand everything, past, present, and future. So when Pralambasura entered their company, Krishna began to think how to kill the demon. But externally, he received them as a friend. Oh, my dear friend, he said, it is very good that you have come here to take part in our pastimes. Krishna then called all his friends and ordered them, now we shall play in pairs. We shall challenge one another in pairs. With this proposal, all the boys assembled together. Some of them took the side of Krishna, and some of them took the side of Balaram, and they arranged to play in duel. The defeated members in the duel fighting had to carry the victorious members on their backs as a horse carries its master. They began playing, and at the same time, tended the cows as they proceeded through the Bandiravana forest. The party of Balaram, accompanied by Sridhama and Rishabha, came out victorious. And Krishna's party had to carry them on their backs through the Bandiravana forest. The Supreme Personality of God at Krishna, being defeated, had to carry Sridhama on his back, and Padrasena carried Rishabha. Imitating their play, Pralambasura, who appeared there as a coward boy, carried Balaram on his, on his back. Pralambasura was the greatest of demons, and he had calculated that Krishna was the most powerful of the coward boys. In order to avoid the company of Krishna, Pralambasura carried Balaram far away. The demon was undoubtedly very strong and powerful, but he was carrying Balaram, who was compared to a mountain. Therefore, he began to feel the burden, and thus he assumed his real form. When he appeared in his real feature, he was decorated with a golden helmet and earrings and looked just like a cloud with lightning carrying the moon. Balaram observed the demon's body expanding up to the limits of the clouds and his eyes dazzling like blazing fire in his mouth, flashing with sharpened teeth. 
At first, Balaram was surprised by the demon's appearance and began to wonder, how is it that all of a sudden this car carrier has changed in every way? But with a clear mind, he could quickly understand that he was being carried away from his friends by a demon who intended to kill him. Immediately, he struck the head of the demon with his strong fist, just as the king of the heavenly planets strikes a mountain with his thunderbolt. Stricken by the fist of Balaram, the demon fell down dead, just like a snake with a smashed head, and blood poured from his mouth. When the demon fell, he made a tremendous sound, and it sounded as if a great hill were falling upon being struck by the thunderbolt of King Indra. All the boys then rushed to the spot. Astonished by the ghastly scene, they began to praise Balaram with the words, Well done! Well done! All of them then embraced Balaram with great affection, thinking that he had returned from death, and they offered their blessings and congratulations. All the demigods and the heavenly planets became very satisfied and showered flowers on the transcendental body of Balaram. And they also offered their blessings and congratulations for his having killed the great demon, Pralambasura. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purports of the eighth chapter of Krishna killing the demon, Pralambasura. Chapter 19, <clears throat> Devouring the Forest Fire. While Krishna and Balaram and their friends were engaged in the pastimes described above, the cows, being unobserved, began to wander off on their own, entering farther and farther into the deepest part of the forest, allured by fresh grasses. The goats cows and buffalo traveled from one forest to another and entered the forest known as Ishikatavi. This forest was full of green grass and therefore they were lured. But when they entered they saw that, the, there, that there was a forest fire and they began to cry. On the other side Balaram and Krishna along with their friends could not find their animals and they became very much aggrieved. They began to trace the cows by following their footprints as well as the path of eaten grass. All of the boys were fearing that their very means of livelihood, the cows, were now lost. When searching out the cows in the forest, they themselves became very tired and thirsty. Soon, however, they heard the crying of their cows. Then, with a resounding voice, Krishna began to call the cows by their respective names. Upon hearing Krishna calling, the cows immediately replied with joy. But, but by this time the forest fire had surrounded all of them, and the situation appeared to be very fearful. The flames increased as the wind blew very quickly, and it appeared that everything moving and non-moving would be devoured. All the cows and the boys became very frightened and they looked toward Balaram and Krishna the way a dying man looks at the pictures of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They said, Dear Krishna, Dear Krishna, you and Balaram are very powerful. We are now burning from the heat of this blazing fire. Let us take shelter of your lotus feet. We know that you can protect us. We know you can protect us from this great danger. Our dear friend Krishna, we are your intimate friends. It is not right that we should suffer in this way. We are all completely dependent on you. And you are the knower of all religious life. We do not know anyone except you. The Personality of Godhead heard the appealing voices of his friends and casting a pleasing glance over them, he began to answer. By speaking through his eyes, he impressed upon his friends that there was no cause for fear 
and he assured them, don't worry. Then Krishna, the supreme mystic, the powerful personality of Godhead, immediately swallowed up all the flames of the fire. The cows and boys were thus saved from imminent danger. Out of fear, the boys were almost unconscious, but when they regained their consciousness and opened their eyes, they saw that they were again in the Bandira forest with Krishna, Balaram, and the cows. They were astonished to see that they were completely free from the attack of the blazing fire and that the cows were saved. They secretly thought that Krishna must not be an ordinary boy, but some demigod. <clears throat> In the evening, Krishna and Balaram, along with the boys and cows, returned to Vrindavan, playing their flutes. As they approached the village, all the gopis became very joyous. Throughout the day, the gopis used to think of Krishna while he was in the forest, and in his absence, they were considering one moment to be like twelve years. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 19th chapter of Krishna, devouring the forest fire. Haribo! Everyone okay? Yes? Yes. Did you alright? Better than okay? Never better. Chapter, tw chapter 20, Description of Autumn. The killing of Pralambasura and the devouring of the devastating forest fire by Krishna and Balaram became household topics in Vrindavan. The coward men described these wonderful activities with their wives and to everyone else, and all were struck with wonder. They concluded that Krishna and Balaram were demigods who had kindly come to Vrindavana to become their children. In this way, the rainy season ensued. In India, after the scorching heat of the summer, the rainy season is very welcome. The clouds accumulating in the sky covering the sun and the moon become very pleasing to the people and they expect rainfall at every moment. After summer, the advent of the rainy season is considered to be a life-giving source for everyone. The thunder and occasional lightning are also pleasurable to the people. The symptoms of the rainy season may be compared to the symptoms of the living entities who are covered by the three modes of material nature. The unlimited sky is like the supreme Brahman, and the tiny living entities are like the covered sky or Brahman covered by the three modes of material nature. Originally, everyone is part and parcel of Brahman. The supreme Brahman or the unlimited sky can never be covered by a cloud, but a portion of it can be covered. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, the living entities are part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but they are only an insignificant portion of the Supreme Lord. This portion is covered by the modes of material nature, and therefore the living entities are residing within this material world. The Brahma Jyoti, spiritual effulgence, is just like the sunshine. As the sunshine is full of molecular shining particles, so the Brahma Jyoti is full of minute portions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Out of that unlimited expansion of minute portions of the Supreme Lord, some are covered by the influence of material nature, whereas others are free. Clouds are accumulated water drawn from the land by the sunshine. Continually for eight months, the sun evaporates all kinds of water from the surface of the globe and this water is accumulated in the shape of clouds, which are distributed as water when there is need. Similarly, a government exacts various taxes from the citizens, such as income tax and sales tax, 
which the citizens are able to pay by their different material activities, agriculture, trade, industry, and so on. This taxation is compared to the sun's drawing water from the earth. When there is again need of water on the surface of the globe, the same sunshine converts the water into clouds and distributes it all over the globe. Similarly, the taxes collected by the government must be distributed to the people again as educational work, public work, sanitation work, etc. This is very essential for a good government. The government should not simply exact taxes for useless squandering. The tax collection should be utilized for the public welfare of the state. During the rainy season, there are strong winds blustering all over the country and carrying clouds from one place to another to distribute life-giving water to the needy living entities. Water is urgently needed after the summer season, and thus the clouds are just like a rich man who, in times of need, distributes his money even to the point of exhausting his whole treasury. So the clouds exhaust themselves by distributing water all over the surface of the globe. When Maharaja Dasarath, the father of Lord Ramachandra, used to fight with his enemies, it was said that he approached them just like a farmer uprooting unnecessary plants and trees. And when there was need of giving charity, he used to distribute money exactly as the cloud distributes rain. The distribution of rain by clouds is so sumptuous that it is compared to the distribution of wealth by a great, munificent person. The clouds' downpour is so profuse that the rains even fall on rocks and hills and on the oceans and seas where there is no need for water. The clouds resemble a charitable person who opens his treasury for distribution and who does not discriminate whether the charity is needed or not. He gives in charity open-handedly. Before the rainfall, the whole surface of the globe becomes almost depleted of all kinds of energies and appears very lean. After the rainfall, the whole surface of the earth becomes green with vegetation and appears to be very healthy and strong. Here a comparison is made to the person undergoing austerities for fulfillment of a material desire. The flourishing condition of the earth after the rainy season is compared to the fulfillment of material desires. Sometimes when a country is subjugated by an undesirable government, persons and parties undergo severe penances and austerities to get control of the government. And when they attain control, they flourish by giving themselves generous salaries. This temporary profit is like the flourishing of the earth in the rainy season. Actually, one should undergo severe austerities and penances only to achieve spiritual happiness. In Srimad Bhagavatam, it is recommended that tapasya, or austerity, should be accepted for realizing the Supreme Lord. By accepting austerity and devotional service, one regains his spiritual life, and as soon as one regains his spiritual life, he enjoys unlimited spiritual bliss. But if someone undertakes austerities and penances for some material gain, it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that the results are temporary and that they are desired by persons of less intelligence. During the rainy season, in the evening, there are many glowworms visible about the tops of trees, hither and thither, and they glitter just like lights. But the luminaries of the sky, the stars and the moon, are not visible. Similarly, in the age of Kali, persons who are atheists or miscreants become very prominently visible, whereas persons who are actually following the Vedic principles for spiritual emancipation are practically obscured. This age, Kali Yuga, is compared to the cloudy season of the living entities. In this age, real knowledge is covered by the influence of the material advancement of civilization. The cheap mental speculators, atheists, and manufacturers of so-called religious principles become prominent like the glowworms, whereas persons strictly following the Vedic principles or scriptural injunctions become covered by the clouds of this age. 
People should learn to take advantage of the actual luminaries of the sky, the sun, moon, and stars, instead of the glowworm's light. Actually, the glowworms cannot give any light in the darkness of night, as clouds sometimes clear, even in the rainy season, and sometimes the moon, stars, and sun become visible, so even in this Kali Yuga, there are sometimes advantages. For example, sometimes Lord Chaitanya's Vedic movement of distributing the chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra is heard. People seriously eager to find real light should take advantage of this movement instead of looking toward the light of mental speculators and atheists. After the first rainfall, when there is a thundering sound in the clouds, all the frogs begin to croak like students suddenly engage in reading their studies. <laughs> students are generally supposed to rise early in the morning. They do not usually arise of their own accord, however, but only when there is a bell sounded in the temple or other spiritual institution. By the order of the spiritual master, they immediately rise, and after finishing their morning duties, they sit down to study the Vedas or chant Vedic mantras. Similarly, everyone is sleeping in the darkness of Kali Yuga, but when there is a great Acharya, by his calling only, everyone takes to the study of the Vedas to acquire actual knowledge. <clears throat> During the rainy season, many small ponds, lakes, and rivulets become filled with water. Otherwise, the rest of the year they remain dry. Similarly, materialistic persons are dry, but sometimes when they are in a so-called opulent position with a home or children or a little bank balance, they appear to be flourishing, but immediately afterwards they become dry again, like the small rivulets and ponds. The poet Vidyapati said that in the society of friends, family, children, wife, etc., there is, a, there is certainly some pleasure, but that pleasure is compared to a drop of water in the desert. Everyone is hankering after happiness, just as in the desert everyone is hankering after water. If in the desert there is a drop of water, it may of course be said that water is there, but the benefit from that drop of water is very insignificant. In our materialistic way of life, which is just like a desert, we are hankering after an ocean of happiness, but in the form of society, friends, and mundane love, we are getting no more than a drop of water. Our satisfaction is never achieved as the small rivulets, lakes, and ponds are never filled with water in the dry season. Due to rainfall, the grass, trees, and other vegetation look very green. Sometimes the grass is covered by a certain kind of red insect, and when the green and red combine with the umbrella-like umbrella mushrooms, the entire scene changes, just like a person who has suddenly become rich. The farmer then becomes very happy to see his field full of grain, but the capitalists, who are always unaware of the activities of a supernatural power, become unhappy because they are afraid of the competitive price due to abundant production. In some places, certain capitalists and government restrict the farmer's production of grain, not knowing the actual fact that all food grains are supplied by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. According to the Vedic injunction, Eko Bahunam Yo Vedadati Kaman, the Supreme Personality of Godhead maintains this creation. Therefore, he arranges for a supply of whatever, whatever is required for all living entities. When there is a population increase, it is the business of the Supreme Lord to feed the people. But atheists or miscreants do not like the abundant do not like abundant production of food grains, especially 
if their business might be hampered. During the rainy season, all living entities in the land, sky, and water become very much refreshed, exactly like one who engages in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. We have practical experience of this with our students in the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Before becoming students, they were dirty looking, although they had naturally beautiful personal features. Due to having no information of Krishna Consciousness, they appeared very dirty and wretched. Since they have taken to Krishna Consciousness, their health has improved, and by their following the rules and regulations, their bodily luster has increased. When they are dressed with saffron-colored cloth, with tilak on their foreheads, and beads in their hands and on their necks, they look exactly as if they have become directly from Vaikuntha. In the rainy season, when the rivers swell and rush to the oceans and seas, they appear to agitate the ocean. Similarly, if a person who is engaged in the mystic yoga process is not very much advanced in spiritual life, he can become agitated by the sex impulse. Although during the rainy season, the high mountains are splashed with by torrents of rain, they do not change. Similarly, a person who is advanced in Krishna consciousness, even if put into difficulties, is not embarrassed. A person who is spiritually advanced accepts any adverse condition of life as the mercy of the Lord, and thus he is completely eligible to enter into the spiritual kingdom. In the rainy season, some of the roads are not frequently used, and they become covered with long grasses. These roads are exactly like the Brahmana, who is not accustomed to studying and practicing the reformatory methods of the Vedic injunctions. He becomes covered with the long grasses of Maya. In that condition, forgetful of his constitutional nature, he forgets his position of eternal servitorship to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. By being deviated by the seasonal overgrowth of long grasses created by Maya, a person identifies himself with the Mayic production and succumbs to illusion, forgetting his spiritual life. During the rainy season, lightning appears in one group of clouds and then immediately in another group of clouds. This phenomenon is compared to a lusty woman who does not fix her mind on one man. A cloud is compared to a qualified person because it, because it pours rain and gives sustenance to many people. A man who is qualified similarly gives sustenance to many living creatures such as family members or many workers in a business. Unfortunately, his whole life can be disturbed by a wife who divorces him. When the husband is disturbed, the whole family is ruined. The children are dispersed or the business is closed and everything is affected. It is therefore recommended that a woman desiring to advance in Krishna consciousness live peacefully with a husband and, the, and that the couple not separate under any condition. The husband and wife should control sex indulgence and concentrate their minds on Krishna consciousness so that their life may be successful. After all, in the material world, a man requires a woman and a woman requires a man. When they are combined, they should live peacefully in Krishna consciousness and should not be restless like the lightning flashing from one group of clouds to another. Sometimes, in addition to the roaring thunder of clouds, there is an appearance of a rainbow which stands as a bow without a string. Actually, a bow is in the curved position because it is tied at its two ends by the bowstring. But in the rainbow, there is no such string, and yet it rests in the sky 
so beautifully. Similarly, when the Supreme Personality of Godhead descends to this material world, he appears just like an ordinary human being, but he is not resting on any material condition. In the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says that he appears by his internal potency, which is free from the bondage of the external potency. What bondage for the what is bondage for the ordinary creature is freedom for the personality of Godhead. In the rainy season, the moonlight is covered by clouds, but is visible at intervals. It sometimes appears that the moon is moving with the moon movement of the clouds, but actually the moon is still. Due to the clouds, it appears to move. Similarly, for one who has just identified, for one who has identified himself with the moving material world, his actual spiritual luster <clears throat> is covered by illusion. And with the movement of material activities, he thinks that he is moving through different spheres of life. This is due to false ego, which is the demarcation between spiritual and material existence. Just as the moving cloud is the demarcation between moonlight and darkness. In the rainy season, when the clouds appear for the first time, the peacocks dance with joy upon seeing them. The peacocks can be compared to persons who are very much harassed in the materialistic way of life. If they can find the association of a person engaged in the loving devotional service of the Lord, they become enlightened and dance, just like peacocks. We have practical experience of this. Many of our students were dry and morose previous to their coming to Krishna consciousness, but having come into contact with devotees, they are now dancing like jubilant peacocks. Plants and creepers grow by drinking water from the ground. Similarly, a person practicing austerities becomes dry, but after the austere performances are completed and he gets the result, he begins to enjoy life and sense gratification with family, society, love, home, and other paraphernalia. He becomes jolly, like newly grown plants and grass. Sometimes it is seen that cranes and ducks meander continually on the banks of the lakes and rivers, although the banks are filled with muddy garbage and thorny creepers. Similarly, those who are householders without Krishna consciousness are constantly tarrying in material life in spite of all kinds of inconveniences. In family life or any life, one cannot be perfectly happy without being Krishna conscious. Srila Narottam Das Thakura prays that he will have the association of a person, either a householder or a man in the renounced order of life, who is engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord and is always crying the holy name of Lord Chaitanya. For the materialistic person, worldly affairs become too aggressive, whereas to a person who is in Krishna consciousness, everything appears to be happily situated. The barriers around an agricultural field sometimes break due to heavy torrents of rain. Similarly, the unauthorized atheistic propaganda in the age of Kali breaks the boundary of the Vedic injunctions. Thus people gradually degenerate to godlessness. In the rainy season, the clouds tossed by the wind deliver water which is welcomed like nectar. When the Vedic followers, the Brahmanas, inspire rich men like kings and members of the wealthy mercantile community to give charity in the performance of great sacrifices, the distribution of such wealth is also nectarian. The four sections of human society, namely the Brahmanas, the Kshatriyas, the Vaishyas and the Shudras, are meant to live peacefully in a cooperative mood this is possible when they are guided by expert Vedic Brahmanas who perform sacrifices and distribute wealth equally. 
Vrindavana forest improved from the rains and was replete with ripened dates, mangoes, blackberries, and other fruits. Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, along with his boyfriends and Lord Balaram, entered the forest to enjoy the new seasonal atmosphere. The cows, being fed by new grasses, became very healthy, and their milk bags were all very full. When Lord Krishna called them by name, they immediately came to him out of affection, and in their joyful condition, the milk flowed from their bags. Lord Krishna was very much pleased when passing through the Vrindavana forest by the sight of Govardhan Hill. On the bank of the Jamuna, he saw all the trees decorated with beehives pouring honey. There were many waterfalls on Govardhan Hill, and their flowing made a nice sound. Krishna heard them as he looked into the caves of the hill. When the rainy season was not ended completely, but was gradually turning to autumn, Sometimes, especially when there was rainfall within the forest, Krishna and his companions would sit under a tree or within the caves of Gordhan Hill and enjoy eating the ripened fruits and talking with great pleasure. When Krishna and Balaram were in the forest, Mother Yashoda used to send them some fruits, sweetmeats and rice mixed with yogurt. Krishna would take them, sit down on a slab of stone on the bank of the Javuna, and call his friends to join him. While Krishna and Balaram and their friends were eating, they watched the cows, calves, and bulls. The cows appeared to be a little tired from standing with their heavy milk bags. By sitting and chewing grass, they became happy, and Krishna was pleased to see them. He was proud to see the beauty of the forest due to the rainy season, which was nothing but the manifestation of his own energy. At such times, Krishna would praise nature's special activities during the rainy season. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that the material energy or nature is not independent in its actions. Nature is acting under the superintendence of Krishna. This is confirmed in the Brahma Sanghita, which states that material nature, known as Durga, is acting as the shadow of Krishna. Whatever order is sent from Krishna, material nature obeys. Therefore, the natural beauty created by the rainy season was acted out of accordance to the indications of Krishna, who thus felt very proud of material nature's beautiful activities. While Krishna and Balaram were enjoying the gifts of the rainy season in this way, the autumn season gradually arrived, when all the water reservoirs became very clean, and when pleasing and refreshing air blows everywhere. While Krishna and Balaram were enjoying the gifts of the rainy season in this way, the autumn season gradually arrived when all the water reservoirs become very clean and when pleasing and refreshing air blows everywhere. With the appearance of autumn, the sky was completely cleared of all clouds and it recovered its natural blue color. The blooming lotus flowers in the clear water in the forest appeared like persons who have fallen down from yoga practice but have again become beautiful by resuming their spiritual life. Everything becomes naturally beautiful with the appearance of the autumn season. Similarly, when a materialistic person takes to Krishna consciousness and spiritual life, he also becomes as clear as the sky and water in autumn. The autumn season takes away the rolling of dark clouds in the sky as well as the polluted water. Filthy conditions on the ground also become cleansed. Similarly, a person who takes to Krishna consciousness immediately becomes cleansed of all dirty things within and without. Krishna is therefore known as Hari. Hari means he who takes away. Krishna immediately takes away all unclean habits from anyone who takes to Krishna consciousness. The clouds of autumn are white, for they do not carry any water. Similarly, a retired man being freed from all responsibility of family affairs, namely maintaining the home, wife, and children, and taking completely to Krishna consciousness, become free from all anxieties and looks as white as clouds in the sky. That's why we wear white, right? represents the clouds. 
no water. Sometimes in autumn, the falls come down from the top of the hill to supply clean water, and sometimes they stop. Similarly, sometimes great saintly persons distribute clear knowledge, and sometimes they are silent. The small ponds, which were filled with water because of the rainy season, gradually dry up in autumn. As for the small aquatics living in the reservoirs, they cannot understand that their ponds are diminishing day by day, just as the materially engrossed person cannot understand that their duration of life is being reduced day by day. Such persons are engaged in maintaining cows, property, children, wife, society, and friendship. Due to the reduced water and scorching heat from the sun in the autumn season, the small creatures living in small reservoirs of water are very much disturbed. They are exactly like uncontrolled persons who are always unhappy from being unable to enjoy life or maintain their family members. The muddy earth gradually dries up and newly grown fresh vegetation begins to wither. Similarly, for one who has taken to Krishna consciousness, desire for family enjoyment gradually dries up. <clears throat> because of the appearance of the autumn season, the water from the, of the ocean becomes calm and quiet, just as a person developed in self-realization becomes free from disturbance by the three modes of material nature. In autumn, farmers save the water within the fields by building strong walls so that the water contained within the field cannot run out. There is hardly any hope for new rainfall, therefore they want to save whatever is in the field. Similarly, a person who is actually advanced in self-realization protects his energy by controlling his senses. It is advised that after the age of 50, one should retire from family life and conserve the energy of the body for utilization in the advancement of Krishna consciousness. Unless one is able to control the senses and engage them in the transcendental loving service of Mukunda, there is no possibility of salvation. During the daytime in autumn, the sun is very scorching, but at night, due to the clear moonshine, people get relief from the day's fatigue. Similarly, a person who takes shelter of Mukunda or Krishna can be saved from the fatigue of misidentifying the body with the self. Mukunda or Krishna is also the source of solace for the damsels of Vrindavan. The damsels of Rajabhumi are always suffering because of separation from Krishna. But when they meet him during the moonlit autumn night, their fatigue of separation is relieved. When the sky is clear of all clouds, the stars at night shine very beautifully. Similarly, when a person is actually situated in Krishna consciousness, he is cleared of all dirty things and he becomes as beautiful as the stars in the autumn sky. Although the Vedas contain instructions for pursuing knowledge, jnana, and for practicing mystic yoga, and for engaging in karmic activities in the form of sacrifices, the ultimate purpose of the Vedas is stated in the Bhagavad-gita. One has to accept Krishna consciousness after thoroughly studying the Vedas. Therefore, the clean heart of a devotee in Krishna consciousness can be compared to the clean sky of the autumn season. During autumn, the moon looks very bright along with the stars in the clear sky. Lord Krishna himself appeared in the sky of the Yadu dynasty and he was exactly like the moon surrounded by the stars or the members of the Yadu dynasty. When there are ample blooming flowers in the gardens of, in the forest, the fresh aromatic breeze gives great relief to the persons who have suffered.
during the summer and rainy seasons. Unfortunately, such breezes could not give any relief to the gopis because of their heart's dedication to Krishna. People in general might people in general might have taken pleasure in that nice autumn breeze, but the gopis, not being embraced by Krishna, were not very much satisfied. On the arrival of the autumn season, all the cows, deer, birds and females in general become pregnant because in that season all the husbands generally become impelled by sex desire. Such pregnant females are exactly like the transcendentalists who, by the grace of the Supreme Lord, are bestowed with the benediction of their destinations in life. Srila Rupa Goswami has instructed in his Upadeshamrita that one should execute devotional service with great enthusiasm, patience and conviction and should follow the rules and regulations, keep oneself clean from material contamination and stay in the association of devotees. By following these six principles, one is sure to achieve the desired result of devotional service. For one who patiently follows the regulated principles of devotional service, the time will undoubtedly come when he will achieve the desired result, just as the females reap results by becoming pregnant. During the autumn, the lotus flowers in the lakes grow in large numbers <clears throat> because of the absence of lilies. Both the lilies and the lotus flowers grow by sunshine, but during the autumn season, the scorching sunshine helps only the lotus. This example is compared to a country where the king or the government is strong. The unwanted elements like thieves and robbers cannot prosper. When the citizens become confident they, that they will not be attacked by robbers, they develop with great satisfaction. A strong government is compared to the scorching sunshine in the autumn season. The lilies are compared to unwanted persons like robbers, and the lotus flowers are compared to the satisfied citizens. During autumn, the fields become filled with ripened grain. At that time, the people become happy over the harvest and observe various ceremonies, such as Navana, the offering of new grain to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The new grain is first offered to the deities in various temples, and all are invited to take sweet rice made with this new grain. There are other religious ceremonies and methods of worship, particularly in Bengal, where the greatest of all ceremonies is held, called Durga Puja. <laughs> in Vrindavan, the autumn season was very beautiful. In Vrindavan, the autumn season was very beautiful then because of the presence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna and Balaram. The mercantile community, the royal order and great sages were free to move about in order to achieve their desired benedictions. Similarly, the transcendentalists, when freed from the engagement of the material body, also achieved their desired goal. During the rainy season, the mercantile community cannot move from one place to another and, do, and so do not get their desired profit. Nor can the royal order go from one place to another to collect taxes from the people. As for saintly persons who must travel to preach transcendental knowledge, they are restrained by the rainy season. But during the autumn, all of them leave their confines. In the case of the transcendentalist, be he a jnani, a yogi, or a devotee, because of the material body, he cannot enjoy, he cannot actually enjoy spiritual achievement. But as soon as he gives up the body, or after death, 
the jnani merges into the spiritual effulgence of the Supreme Lord, the yogi transfers himself to various higher planets, and the devotee goes to the planet of the Supreme Lord, Goloka Vrindavan, or one of the Vaikuntas, and thus enjoys his eternal spiritual life. Thus then the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 20th chapter of Krishna, description of autumn. Hey, Marman, 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 Marman,